today on the Tearsheet Podcast. You know, the value of the transactions that are likely to happen in the virtual environment are immense. The following was produced by Tearsheet Studios. We worked with consulting firm Ulysses Partners to create a four-part series on identity proofing and the importance of user experience in its emerging landscape. The series is based on our co-created guide, the Identity Proofing Guide, a practical hands-on review of user experience and leading solutions. In this session, I'm joined by David Milligan, Managing Partner at Ulysses Partners. We'll be talking about why we need identity proofing in the metaverse and Web3, and the future of identity and doing business online. So uh, thanks, Zach. Nice to see you again. I'm David Milligan. I run a company called Ulysses Partners. We are a boutique consulting firm that helps fintech firms and banks uh, and other financial institution firms to work together and to leverage emerging technology. And I've been working in the fintech and banking space for over 20 years. I previously headed up innovation new ventures at a bank for over a decade. I did some of the earliest fintech partnerships before there was even fintech, you know, back in 2006. Um, I took that experience and started up a firm that was an early fintech platform. Uh, we're eventually growing it to you know, over 8,000 fintech firms around the world, which we connected with over 130 financial institutions globally. Um, I was fortunate to work literally across the world with banks from Asia, Australia, Europe, Israel. We worked with some of the big banks in Israel, uh, Africa, in South Africa, Nigeria, Kenya, uh, in the United Kingdom, um, and in the United States. Um, so, yeah, I, I've been um, fortunate to see how this industry has evolved. And in particular, most recently, um, we've been doing some work trying to understand the role of identity. And in particular, we call identity proofing, which we um, are fascinating to, to do as we've done the research. Um, and I think it is a critical um, capability that has broad implications for financial institutions and frankly, for you know the society as a whole, um, and uh, yeah, we're we've been really thrilled to do this research with you guys uh, and putting out that identity proofing guide. So it certainly does, and it's it's been a pleasure and uh, engaging. Also, looking from our side, looking into identity proofing, I love that title. We've had a series of discussions um, with a few other guests about identity proofing and and how it relates to. I would say the both geographically diverse as well as like where we are today in the world. But as we start to look forward, um, some of our reporting hits on uh, the metaverse and Web3, blockchain technologies. Um, I want you to put on your futurist hat now and kind of look out, outwards. Um, why, do you, why would we need identity proofing in the metaverse and Web3? So, I mean, you know, obviously it's a very current topic and, and, uh, and it's something, you know, why we're looking at it. I think what's interesting is, you know, firstly, on Metaverse Web3, you know, we don't know where it's going, but um, the classic quote, uh, I think, is attributed to Bill Gates is the idea that we underestimate the impact of a technology in the short term and we, um, you know, and we hit, uh, so other way around. So we overestimate its impact in the short term and we underestimate it in the long term. Um, and when you look at the metaverse today and there's a lot of buzz around it, you know, JP Morgan's just a, you know, a bit of a virtual branch and, uh, and you know, th there's a lot of news in the market, if you like, news versus noise, if you like. But what I think is important is, you know, when I was thinking about it, look at um, 
analogies like say something some years ago, you may recall something called Second Life. Mm -hmm. Second Life was, you know, an early really incarnation, if you like, of the metaverse. Um, and, and there was a lot of buzz around it. And then it sort of died away. Um, and then people would be quite likely to say, well, the metaverse is going to be the same, you know. But in fact, no, think about it this way. You know, the dot-com boom happened and the dot-com bust. And there were business models that started there that flamed out spectacularly. Think Webvan. And yet 20 years later, the Webvan business model is essentially what Amazon and all these other, you know, global uh, uh, giants have successfully brought to market. So the point is, you know, because it didn't work in the first incarnation doesn't mean that it's not going to be refined um, and, and will work and, and really take off in the second generation. Now, maybe the metaverse is, you know, the, the, uh, the web van equivalent of what happened to Second Life. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's a technology that's here. We'll see whether it has this widespread adoption or whether it ends up having more narrow adoption. But whatever this phase of adoption is, um, we also know or we believe that asserting and being able to understand the identity of people in the metaverse that you're interacting with is going to be critical. One of the things I find fascinating with, um, with Web3, at least, is um, ownership doesn't have the typical credentials um, or a traditional structure that you have having an account structure. You have keys identifying what you own somewhere. Um, and I and I think even the concept of that is very challenging to people. Um, I, I guess that also ratchets up the need to be able to identify who I am and 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 the entities with which I do business because the structure isn't as straightforward. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I also I, I look back on um, yeah. You know, I always try to find analogies because I think that's useful. Sometimes dangerous, but useful um, in trying to understand sort of new phenomena and. Um, you know, in, in the same way, I think in, in the metaverse, you know, as we've seen in sort of earlier web incarnations, particularly like social media and where people have been, um, uh, you know, people have talked about how there's the sort of social phenomenon of people being willing to do and say things online that they would not do uh, in a face-to-face -face environment. And yet, you know, in one vision of the metaverse, we will be, you know, in the metaverse, in a virtual sort of reality kind of setup where a lot of the kind of, you know, cues, if you like, that we have, you know, you and I are looking at each other on screen now, and we're kind of more likely to interact with each other and to believe, you know, that you are a real person and I'm a real person. And, you know, we kind of know who we are. Um, that, um, that human behavior is going to carry through into the metaverse. And so in a way, um, it becomes even more important to deal when you're dealing with one another in the metaverse to be able to know who you're really dealing with. And, and so not in every context, you know, but certainly if the, as the metaverse gets used as people envision for things like real estate transactions, um, payments of any kind, you know. NFTs, yeah. Yeah, you, you know, you need to be able to at the back be able to say, well, who is the person behind this transaction, or who am I really dealing with? And uh, the full implications of this have yet to be worked out, but I think we should take um, lessons from what we've experienced in you know previous incarnations of the web and make sure that we can apply these here. And I think it's even more important in a metaverse context.
I think what's so fascinating about what you're saying, David, is also as like the traditional banking system is still trying to catch up with, I guess, um, linear changes in the market like that we're talking about today being global, real-time transactions, and being able to support that. Where now the metaverse comes on the scene in this virtual world, which I think steps up the challenge really in my mind, even philosophically, like wrapping your arms around what it means to do a transaction in a virtual environment. Absolutely. And, you know, the value of the transactions that are likely to happen in the virtual environment are immense. I mean, you know, many, uh, many uh, analyst firms are putting out numbers, you know, McKinsey, Gartner and others, you know, of, you know billions and trillions. And, and they're reasonable ex extrapolations when you look at what people are spending now online. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, I have kids and, you know, they're playing online games and, you know, the number of times that they are shelling out money to buy, you know, items of clothing for their avatar, um, that, you know, that shows you that, again, extrapolating it forward, the market for what's going to happen in the, uh, uh, for transactions is going to only grow. Um, so, yeah, in, in that world, I think it's very important to make sure that we can enable transactions in the most safe and secure way. Um, and, and again, also leveraging some of the you know, features of the technology. Um, so anyway, that, that's one thought is to say why it's necessary. But the other um, thought is from a financial institution perspective, there's, I wonder how this will play out in this way. Financial institutions have throughout recent history been told that one channel will replace the others. Mm -hmm. So there was the branch and then people had ATMs. And I remember working in a bank at the time where we were introducing, you know, the first cash accepting ATMs, reading the notes. Um, and people were saying, well, you know, the branches are going to die away. We won't need as many tellers. Um, that didn't happen. You know, um, some, some people use them, but other people continue to use the branch. And then um, online, you know, on, on your laptop, on your desktop back in the day. And people say, well, online banking reduces the need for branches. Well, no, many people use the online, but others still use the branch and still use the ATM. And then step forward to mobile banking and apps. Um, and the same thing has happened. So from mm -hmm. a bank's perspective, financial institution perspective, all we've had is layering of channels. We've had, you know, they don't disappear. You just have another one. Um, and so that starts to introduce its own complexities. Um, and I wonder, you know, the metaverse will come into me. Well, we think it will. Um, and then does that, you know, I don't think it necessarily supplants stuff. It just becomes yet another channel that the bank has to manage. Um, and so, yeah, you know, it becomes a, 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 an ongoing challenge. Over time, the mix of transactions shifts in the same way that in other countries, writing of checks declines and electronic transactions goes up. Mm -hmm. um, but that shift takes many years. And over that intervening, whatever, 10, 20 year period, um, you know, the bank has to support all of those channels. Um, and so the same thing will happen here. And sorry, last thing. I mean, Real-time payments is coming. I was at a conference here in Charlotte just yesterday um, where many speakers were talking about real-time payments mm -hmm. in the US. Other markets have had them for a while. Come 2023, we know that this is coming into place. Um, and so as you get this confluence of now we have real-time payments and settlement um, at the same time that people metaverse usage goes up, these transactions are happening Again, you need to know who's behind the transaction in case something goes wrong. 
This was David Milligan in conversation about the future of identity proofing and why it will only become more critical in the metaverse and Web3. This is part four of a four-part series we've created with Ulysses Partners on identity proofing. To read the transcript of this conversation and download the full identity proofing guide, head over to the Tearsheet website. Thank you.